welcome to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask that you turn with me to, to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 11, beginning with verse 14. Luke 11, 14 through 26. And if you have it, you can say amen. We're going we're gonna to be uh, reading just a little bit here. Luke eleven fourteen through 26. And it says this. It says, now he was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the, the mute man spoke, spoke and the people marveled. But some of them said he casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, while others to test him kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is a laid waste and a divided household falls. And if Satan is going to divide against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own place, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he, he trusts and divides his spoil. Whoever is not with me and who, who does not gather, I'm sorry, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Now this is the, the key text right here, beginning with verse 24. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person... It passes through waters, waterless places, seeking rest and finding none. It says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the person is worse than the first. Amen. Did you get that? This week, I was, I was, I was saddened to hear and, uh, you know, just thinking about it kind of uh, gets me of another Christian leader, pastor taking his own life. Um, you probably are, are aware of that after battling with uh, anxiety and, and depression. And this doesn't come much later than some other very prominent leaders and pastors who also suffered in silence and, and took their lives. And, you know, as a, as a pastor myself, I I, I sympathize with them because I, I know I, I know what pastors go through in, in, in silence. Um, and it's, it, it breaks my heart every time I see uh, a fallen soldier. And uh, it's not just pastors, it's, it's Christians. Uh, it, it seems like, like the enemy, man, he's, he's, he's really angry about something lately, that he's going after more and more Christians. And, and this isn't to say that anxiety and depression are only spiritual battles because that's 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 not the case at all they are mental illnesses but i think that if the enemy can come and attack in a way that makes you enter that mental state he'll try to do so because the bible says that the serpent was very crafty and, and cunning in other words he is creatively evil he finds ways even outside of his domain to wreak havoc on, on the people of God. So maybe he can't make you depressed, but he can tack you 
enough times so that it begins to affect your mental state. And um, I recorded a podcast this week, and, and some of these issues were brought up regarding things that Christians don't talk about, the secrets that we like to keep to ourselves because we're kind of um, ashamed of, other, of letting other people in and letting them know uh, the battles that we're, that we're going through. Can I just offer someone some encouragement to you? If, you? if you might need it this morning, it might sound a little bit harsh, but I want you to listen to this. If you're going through something, your struggles are not unique. Your struggles aren't unique. Chances are people have been through what you're going through. Chances are there's probably people in this room who are walking in the same valley that you're walking through, but because you're trying to keep quiet so no one sees you in your valley, you walk unaccompanied. But when you walk unaccompanied, when you walk alone, that means that you have no one to pray with you. You have no one to hurt with you. You have no one to cry with you. You have no one to to keep you accountable, all because you think that no one's going to understand your pain and your struggles. And maybe not everyone will. There are some people out there who think that you have to be a certain way and, and, and maybe they're not the best um, person to, to tell. But you know what? We, there is a church, there is a body of believers who, who struggle like you struggle. And so I want to encourage you, uh, if you are hurting, man, release some of that pressure so that you don't have to keep that inside of you. I entitled my, my message today, um, Under Pressure. Someone say that with me. Under Pressure. Because I think um, as Christians, we experience a lot of pressure, right? Like there's, there, there's pressure to be loving. There's pressure to be kind. There's pressure to be godly. There's pressure to, to not be short-tempered when you're like running on a fuse, right? You, you feel that pressure, especially when someone says, I thought you were a Christian, right? I thought you were a Christian. Funny, uh, I, I saw this meme uh, this week. I'm like the meme king. Like I'm all over memes. I saw this meme on, on, on Facebook of a Christian uh, saying to another person, uh, don't, uh, what, did, what did it say? Don't try me. Don't try me. You ever get hood with people like that? Like, don't try me. Ooh, uh, boy, I wish you would. <laughs> I wish you would say something so I can let you uh, know what I'm really thinking. Try that. Try it. See what happens. And so, so this person said, try me. And, and the other person said, I thought you were a Christian. You're not supposed to talk like that. You're supposed to love me. You're supposed to be nice. But you say, don't try me. And then then the Christian said, I am a Christian, but I'm from the south side of the kingdom. (laughs) Some of y'all are from the south side of the kingdom, right? Others are from the north side, amen? Uh, But you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's pressure to perform in a sense, because, you know, we've been saved by grace and we have the joy of the Lord. And, and obviously everything is great in our lives because we have Jesus. And, and, and so there's always pressure to be on it. There's that pressure to say the right thing, um, uh, even when you don't really care enough to listen because you're just so tired, you want to go home. But that person after work, they follow you to their car and they always tell you their problems. And, and normally on any other day, you would stay and you would listen because you want to counsel them. But you're so tired, you're ready to get home. You had a, a really hard day and you just but there's pressure. There's pressure to to do the right thing when you're in the car and you're at that red light and no other cars are around you. And there's no cops. And they got rid of the Houston cameras, right? There's that pressure just, hey, man, I'm, I'm ready to get home. Let me, I mean, it's not going to hurt anybody. But there's that person in the passenger seat who might judge you because you're supposed to be a law-abiding Christian. There's pressure 
There's pressure to look like you've got your life together because you found Jesus. And so there's pressure to do all of, the, uh, all of these things sometimes that, that we're forced to look like we've all got together, uh, like, like we've got it all together. But in reality, we're hollow and we're empty inside. And no one would know it because we're like this beautifully wrapped box. Have you ever given someone just as a joke, like this really beautifully wrapped like gift and they open it and there's nothing inside? On the outside, it looks great, but it's empty on the inside. And verses 24 and 25, it says that when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through the waterless places seeking rest and finding none. It says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. I want to talk about that for a minute. Do I have your attention this morning? This is good. Okay. Um, Jesus here in this passage, he's talking to a very religious crowd. And he's talking to a very religious person. You, you know the type, right? right? They look like they've got it all together and they will judge you when it seems like you don't have it all together. That, that's who he's talking about in this passage. They call themselves the religious elite. These are people who, who keep the law, but they, re, they reject any type of relationship with the fulfiller of the law. I, man, I can go so deep right here. There is an issue in our in our country and in our church and the churches in our country that that were very similar to the ones that permeated in Jesus day. It's an issue of of moralism. OK, now morality is good because our morals come from God. Good morals come from God. If you ever meet an atheist who, who believes in objective moral values, ask him, where do your objective moral values come from? Because they have to come from somewhere. Right. So 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 morality is a good thing, but, but you know, even good morals without a relationship with God holds no spiritual authority. None. You can do good things and have no spiritual authority. And so, like, I've, I've heard of these camps um, that, actually, there was a documentary on, on, on it a few years ago, and I, I didn't really, I didn't watch it because it, the, the thought of it was a little disturbing to me. But there are these, these Christian-sponsored camps that take in kids who who have come out as, as gay, as homosexuals. Maybe you've heard of these before. And many of these camps are, these aren't kids that say, hey, sign me up. That sounds great. Like, I, I need some help. No, these are kids that are going to, uh, uh, into these camps against it, their will. Their parents, you know, uh, are, are trying to, to get them out of, of, of this lifestyle of homosexuality. And so what these camps attempt to do is they try to take the homosexuality out of the kids so that the sin of homosexuality is no longer in them. When that's the wrong approach. That's the wrong approach. That's not going to fix anything. If you know a person that is a homosexual, taking the, homosexual, the, the, the homosexuality out of them is not the right approach. Now, if they are battling with it, if they desire a deep relationship with Jesus, but that temptation is there, that's a different, that's a different thing. But taking a sin out of a person by default is not going to make them love Jesus. Right? That's called moralism. That's called being saved by works. That's not what the Bible teaches. So instead of taking the homosexuality out of the person, why not bring the Jesus into the person? Because if enough Jesus is in the person, demons start to get nervous. Demons start to tremble. Demons get uncomfortable. They don't want to dwell where Jesus is, so they eventually flee. And so this is, this is Jesus says right here. He says, 
when a strong man, a.k.a. your demon, a.k.a. your sin, a.k.a. your struggles, fully armed, guards his own place, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he, a.k.a. the Almighty, a.k.a. the Savior, a.k.a. Jesus, attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides the spoil. And so what I'm saying here and what Jesus is saying in this passage is, look, you can look the part. You can act the part. But looking and acting are not the same thing as being. You can look like you've got it all figured out. You can act like you're above everyone else. You can, you can take the mess that, that, that you were living in outside, but, but all that does is leave an empty house. All that does is leave an empty house. So if a thief finally comes to his senses and says, man, I'm, I'm tired of, of stealing from people. It's, it's wrong, man. The other day I got, I got my leaf blower sto- stolen right from, right from the property that one of the properties that we were, were, were fixing up and, and flipping. It was just right there. And I was about 10 feet the other direction. All of a sudden I, I, I hear this guy get into his car and, and, and uh, just peel out. And I, I'm like, what, what's going on? I look over to the, uh, to the lawn and, and my leaf blower's gone. So what if this guy just said, hey, you know what? I'm going to stop stealing leaf blowers. That's messed up, man. <laughs> what if, what if I, I also, I get, I get robbed a lot. Uh, a few years ago, we, we, uh, we had bought uh, some Christmas presents for, for Danny's kids and and uh, they didn't get Christmas gifts that, that year from us because someone t- stole them right, right from our, our vehicle. What if that thief says, you know, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of stealing, you know, Christmas gifts and all this stuff. And, and, and I'm, I'm just going to turn over a, a new leaf. That'd be good for that person. We might applaud him. We might say, hey, man, good for you. You're getting your life together. But, you know, just taking something out doesn't automatically insert something else. And so maybe you've been trying to stop what you've been doing because you know what's wrong. And maybe you've been trying to to read the Bible more because you know that you, you probably should read the Bible more as a Christian. And maybe you're trying to come to church a little bit more often because you don't want people thinking that, that you're not saved. But how about starting with Jesus? How about starting with Jesus? How about let Jesus come into your empty house or your messy house and, and do all of the fixing for you? Because that creates not, not a hollow person. That creates something with, with substance, something with power, something with authority. Because Jesus is in there. It doesn't matter if it's clean, if no, nothing's in there. So Jesus talks about this man who seems to have it all together. He's a religious elite. He comes to church every week. He lifts up his hands in worship. Maybe he can recite scripture really well. He can say all the right things. Maybe he can give a really mean Sunday school class, right? He's got his house in order. He's got it swept up. That's what you do when, when people come over to your house, right? You, you clean, right? No, you, you, uh, you sweep, you vacuum, you clean, you, you pick up things, right? You wipe down the countertops. You light a candle, right, so that so people can come over and, and, and you can have them think that this is how you live all the time, right? But everyone knows that you just finished cleaning an hour ago. Everyone knows that you barely had enough time to finish putting on your makeup, right? But you open the door, you're like, hey, I've been like this all day, right? No, 
It was chaos in there like five minutes ago. Everyone knows on the daily, you probably have a sock upstairs and, and the other one downstairs because your house is just always turned upside down. But, but there's that pressure to look the part, like we've got it all together, even when we don't. And Jesus says that if you do have your house in order and, and you've cleaned it up and you've swept it up, he says, be careful. Why do you think that he cautions people to be careful? Why, why do you think, when I read this scripture the very first time, I said, well, why is a demon entering a, a house that is swept up and, and put in order? That sounds like a good thing. Right? So why is it? Why is it that we need to be careful when we have a house that is cleaned up, swept up? I'll tell you why. It's because a burglar loves an empty house. A burglar is much less likely to enter a house that is fully occupied. He's more likely going to enter an empty house. Right? Y'all remember Home Alone, right? That's like our, like our, our Cantu uh, Christmas tradition. We, we watch Home Alone every year. At the beginning of the movie, you have this guy, the robber. He's impersonating a cop, right? That's what, that's what the devil does. He, he, he disguises himself as an angel of light. And, and so he comes dressed up as a cop, and he's scoping out the neighborhood to, make, uh, to, to, to see who's going to be out of town for the holidays. Because if you're going to be out of town for the holidays, that means your house is going to be empty. You are a prime candidate for, for me to break into your house. So then he goes back, and, and then he comes back to the McAllister house. And, and Kevin, if you remember Kevin, he was, he was a pretty smart kid. He picks up on this hint that someone's coming to his house, and, and he throws this, like, mock party, right? And, and it, it, he's got music, and he's got the things going, like, uh, through the window. And, every, and the, the, the thieves are like, man, I thought they were going to be out of town. I'm not going to go in there with a the house full of people. So they leave. They leave. They drive away. But Jesus says in this verse, they're going to come back. They're going to come back. Verse 25 says that when it finds the house swept and put in order, it goes and brings seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of the person is even worse than the first. So it doesn't matter, church, so much what you removed. It doesn't matter that you remove some things from your life to make you look a little bit better Maybe you swept that addiction under the rug so that no one can see your struggles. Maybe you started to come to church every, every Sunday so that your mom thinks you've got it together spiritually. But if you're still leaving your house unaccompanied with nothing inside, someone's about to throw a party and it's not going to be Jesus. They get so excited to see an empty house that they go back and they're like, hey, man, there's this house that's empty. Come on, let's go. You know, too many people, man, these days we, we try to look the part. We, we, we want nice things, and I, I want nice things, amen, right? It's, it's, it's okay to, to want to have nice things, but if I'm being really honest with myself, if I go down the list, uh, one of those items is probably going to be so that people can see the nice things that I have. It might, it might not be number one, but if I'm really being honest with myself, we like to look the part for other people sometimes. And, and, and you know, that's, that's probably the main reason that people clean when, when they come over, right? So you can at least look like you've got your life together. But have you noticed something? Have you, have you noticed that, that the enemy never goes after ugly things? Have you noticed that? The thief doesn't come after ugly things. 
You never hear of thieves following a person home because they're driving in their 2004 Hyundai Sonata and they want to see what else they got. <laughs> no offense if that's what you drive, you know. I'm just, uh, you know, pe- people, people, you know, you hear the stories of, of, of people being followed home and, and, and they have that, that brand new Range Rover. Uh, it's got the, like the, it's, it's got the, the works and everything and those, those, those 20 inch rims. That, that's who they follow home. A mugger is not going to pull out a gun on you and ask for a stick of gum. Right? He's going to ask for the money. He's going to ask for the purse. Robbers, they, they don't go to Chuck E. Cheese and, and raid the prizes. <laughs> Have you been to Chuck E. Cheese lately? Man. The, the, best, the best thing that they got there is like an Iron Man pillow or something. Like it's the best thing. Like the, I feel so sorry for Layla, man, because she's all excited. She goes to the counter. She got like 65 tickets. All she can get is like a pixie stick or two. You know? Robbers, they, they, go, they go after the banks. They go after the, the, the jewelry stores, the, the, the shiny objects, right? So when we try so hard to act the part and like our lives are this, this, this shiny object and they're so put together, it's going to invite the enemy to come in. And so maybe this morning, church, maybe you're hurting, but you've got a smile on your face. Maybe your marriage is in trouble, but you still come to church together and you make it seem like everything is good when it's not. That's dangerous. And I know that the pressure is there. But can I tell you something? Jesus never asks us to have our house in order first so that he could dwell there. He died for us in our mess. He died for us in our sin. He didn't die for us in our perfection. He died for us in our brokenness, in our darkness. Jesus died for the weak, the broken, for the ugly. Tell the person next to you, Jesus died for you. (laughs) And then answer back, you calling me ugly? (laughs) Because Jesus knows that there can never be a house big enough, clean enough, extravagant enough that he can never be worthy of. The Bible says that even on our best day, it's like handing God a, a filthy rag. This is the best of what I got. It's, it's filthy. It's dirty. It's, <laughs> it's like when, this is mean. It's like when, when Layla, Layla is so proud of like something that she colored. And it's not that pretty, you know, but I'm like, hey, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. Like on our best day, (laughs) we hand God a filthy rag. But what if church, what if we harness the culture that that would just invite the ugly? Like, like, I wonder what would happen if we let people know that it's okay to release the pressure. It's okay to not have it all together. As long as you've got Jesus and your life working on you, that's what glorifies God. The glory of God shines the most on those that are not afraid to be vulnerable. Because the proud say, no, I'm okay. I don't need you. But the humble say, no, I'm broken. I need you now. I don't want to compromise my spirit, church, at the expense of looking like I've got it all together. I'd rather be a mess I'd rather come to church 
crying and ugly. And if you're a girl, your mascara is all over the place. But it's only because you've come to the right place and seek of, of, of the one who can dwell in your life and make things better, who can light up the darkness, who can restore your brokenness. That's what it's about. Jesus can fix you on the daily. Now, I don't want you to, I don't want you to think that I'm telling you to go home and, you know, blast all your business all over Facebook, okay? That, that, that's, that's not what I'm, that's not the message. You know, you shouldn't have to tell everyone everything. Privacy is a good thing. But the message is simple. Don't pretend to be fine when you're not, man. Don't pretend to be okay when you're not. It's okay. We all struggle. We all feel the pressure as Christians. We all, we all, we all feel the pressure of, of, of wanting to look like everything's fine when it's not. We all go through the valleys. You think everyone in this room is on a mountaintop? We struggle, but it's okay. Don't be hollow. Don't be empty because that's just an invitation for the enemy to come in and mess you up even more. And don't just take things out of your life so that you can impress other people to thinking that you're a great Christian. And instead, keep Jesus dwelling in your home and never leave it unattended, church. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeraiglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.